Hey everyone, thanks for waiting for today's episode, sorry for the delay. Today's episode is all about an album near and dear to my heart, traced in here by the wonderful group Cynic. I'd like to take a quick moment to remind everyone that LGBT rights are human rights, and anyone who doesn't think that way should probably stop listening to our show, because all sexualities and gender expressions are welcome here. Also, we mention them in the show, but we'd like to jump forward and just mention them again, just in case. Big shout out and big love to the Hellbent for Metal podcast. Shout out to Tom Dare and Matt Rushton. We thank them for being a fabulous idea and also a wonderful platform to help normalise LGBT plus voices in heavy metal. If you enjoy our show today, please feel free to like or review it wherever you're listening from. Remember, that's always up to you. No pressure. Thanks all. On to the show. Alright, let's get to it. Traced in Air by Cynic. You might be thinking, well, okay, I, I sincerely doubt, judging by when I said we're going to do this, I very much doubt you had any idea what this is. Never heard of it before. What did you, th- like, when I said we're going to do Traced in Air by the band Cynic, did you think it was going to be some sort of hyper-technical, mad... So yeah, this is what I was expecting going in, based on the very, like, I think you vaguely said something like it's proggy, you know, that kind of thing. So I was expect- expecting very long songs. Yeah. I was expecting a lot of um, twiddly twiddly. Yeah. And and just, you know, kind of, yeah, I suppose just kind of like tech metal. I'm a guitar boy, I'm going to impress other guitar boys. Yeah. Uh, which is not, oh, like that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I wasn't really, you were more into prog than I am. So I kind of had a sense. I'm like, oh, this is going to be something that's like a Louis thing. And I'm not going to really feel it. Uh, but it, I, 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 I was pleasantly surprised on, on pretty much all those fronts. <laughs> I got to say, which was real nice. All right, let's get into it. So if you're listening to this thinking, what the, like, it, what, who are, who is this? What is this? Cynic was formed in the year 1987, the year of our Lord 1987 in Florida by the two sort of main protagonists of this episode, Sean Reiner on the drums and Paul Masvidal on the guitar and vocals. We'll be talking a lot about the vocals because mm-hmm. they're very interesting. Yes, if you're so, like they're, it's the, the vocal approach on this album and the general vocal approach of Cynic is quite unique in this style of music. Yeah, so Masvidal and Reiner, they went to school together. They didn't just form a band outside. They literally started playing together when they were like 13, 14 years old. Cool. The other key member of the band is Sean Malone, who is the bass player. Okay. He's the bass player on all of their records. So they, uh, so 1988, sorry, they'd released some demos. They put out some very interesting early demos. In 1991, Masvidal and Reiner ended up playing in legendary death metal act, Death, <laughs> with Chuck Schuldner. They played on the album Human, and that album is a fucking revelation in terms of what death metal could become. Okay. Um, the musicianship on it is nonsensically good. Death were moving away from just straight up <clears throat> into more like progressive. Okay, interesting. The instrumentation gets a lot more interesting from that point. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of later death. At some point, they will be appearing on this podcast. Very good. After they did that, they, they toured the record with Chuck, and... Paul Mastodon really wanted to go back and do Cynic. Sure. He really wanted to do Cynic. for creating. He wanted to have the creative lead, as it were. So, in 1993, Cynic put out the album Focus, which has become unbelievably influential in progressive metal. If you listen to that album, you will find there is nothing like it around the same time. There are other bands doing progressive things in the extreme metal sphere, but that album is like a revelation. There is nothing like it. There is nothing that combines jazz, heavy metal, thrash. There's nothing that combines that in the same way. Mm. There are bands that are a million miles off it, but the particular vocal stylings and the way and the spiritual lyrics, that is not something that many other bands were doing, if at all. But that album is unbelievably influential. There's not one. There's two bands who nick song who nick their band names from that album song title list. Do share uh, Veil of Maya and Textures. Ah, I'm a fan of both. I didn't. The thing is, I didn't realize that they got their their names from Cynic for like years. Mm. But 
It's a weird one because in 1994 they split up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it, like yeah. Trace Denaire is a reunion album. And yet it's still only what their second yes. album. Nice. <laughs> Trace Denaire is a reunion record. Like the Cynic split up in 1994. The world was I, I I've never been able to quite establish why they split up. It wasn't it's nothing personal or horrible. They didn't all hate each other. Um, Paul uh, Paul Masvidal and Sean Ryan worked together on a couple of projects. Paul Masvidal also did a lot of has done a lot of work in TV and film. Mm. He's done stuff with like Smallville, Third Rock from the Sun, amongst other things. He, himself and Sean Ryan have formed this other group called Aeon Spoke, which is sort of acousticy. I imagine you'd actually really like Aeon Spoke a lot more oh, okay. than in some ways. I, I think you'd like it a lot then, more than yeah. Cynic. Yeah, <clears throat> sounds like they were just kind of like we have all these different projects going, and maybe Cynic just isn't the. I the think also right the way people were reacting to them on tour wasn't helping. Oh, were they not getting good reactions at the time? No, because their music was so fucking out there. Out there. Yeah. Like, even now, I re-listen to Focus again in the run-up to doing this. That album is that album is just wild. If you think the vocals on this album we're doing are interesting and odd, they're even more interesting and odd on that. They're yeah, just odd. I, the, the vocoder effect is constant. I was going to say partial. that. I saw a voc- I saw um, when I was kind of like doing a little bit of background reading that like there's, I read that like the vocoder is subtler on this album, implying far subtler. But that implies that it's very not subtle on the other album. It's all over it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he sounds like an alien. Cool. Like Paul Masvidal literally sounds like an alien on it, and it's. I can imagine, it's not easy to get used to. Mm. Or you might listen to go, this is a nonsense. What the fuck is he doing? What is this thing? He's not singing. He's just going, you know, it's fucking bananas. Sure. But there's nothing like it, right? (laughs) This is a very interesting sort of wholesome fact. Uh, I just thought I'd throw this in there because it's just really interesting. In about, in sometime in the late 90s, Paul Masvidal fires a pattern with a doctor called Dr. Lance Patak. It's for this voice assisting technology that helps patients in medical situations who can't really speak. It helps them speak. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, he filed this patent, and they are still. It's it, they were distributing it as recently, like heavily distributing during the COVID crisis. Oh, amazing! So it's a pay. He because Paul Masvidal, he has he volunteer going to ICUs. He play music for people. He's also been into. He's been doing like a particular type of yoga, and he's into Buddhism since he was like 13, 14 or something ridiculous. Hmm. This will all come up, yeah, as we talk sure. about this record, sure. because it can't not. Yeah, I've never had the chance to see Cynic Live because they've been so in and out of being active. I've seen Paul Masvidal solo. In fact, he was one of the last artists I saw before the COVID shutdown. Oh, really? He was opening for. He was opening the last show I saw. He opened for Anathema. Oh, that was part okay. of the reason I went because I was just holy shit. Paul Masvidal's going to be there. It's Paul Masvidal. Oh my god. Poor fucking Masvidal. And he was playing his acoustic songs. It was gorgeous. It was lovely. Yeah. I mean, was I expecting him to break out into fucking Adam Murmur? No. But <laughs> it would have been nice. Like, Alright. So I I've, I try not to delve too much into personal things if they're not super relevant. Sure. I try not to do that. But I will, just in case you didn't see in the information that we've conveyed in the promotional information about this episode... Paul Masvidal and Sean Reiner both came out as gay in 2014 in the sort of press cycle for the subsequent record, Kindly Bent to Free Us. It's a very different record. It's a little bit more chill in its vibe. Mm. It's fucking brilliant. Spoiler alert, everything Cynic does is incredible and you should listen to it. But the fact that they didn't come out until much, much later, like 20 years after their breakthrough and only record, that blew my mind. Like when I read that, it genuinely blew my mind. I had no idea. They've been out to like close friends and what have you for decades. Sure, yeah. But I had, and there's no hint in the music. No. At least not that I'm aware of. I have looked. I did a lot of looking, mm-hmm. a lot of searching, just in case um, there were hints about their sexualities mm-hmm. before. I didn't find any. Uh, if there is one and I've missed it, I apologise. But I don't want to. I don't want to muck rake because I worry that it comes across as a bit, you know, trying to muck rake and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So Trace Dinner. Now, Cynic were sort of offered the opportunity to reform. It's sort of like they didn't plan to reform. Mm. Paul Mansard, I was done with it. Like that was just never going to happen. And then a series of minor events sort of snowballed on each other. And then in about 2007, they 
they ended up reforming and playing some festival shows. And I've watched the footage, and it's fucking great. The only other band that sort of fit the description of you release an album, you split up, but the album becomes really influential is Refused. Yeah. That's an, that, that, that is an yeah, example that's, that's probably more relatable to yourself. Yeah. Because I remember... Because <laughs> the thing is, I remember hearing about Cynic and reading about the name in magazines on and off for years. Hmm. It would just... Every so often, I'd see, oh, we were really influenced by Focus, by Cynic. I'm like, and I, I it would just wouldn't even register in my brain as a teenager. I'd be like, oh, that's that's interesting. And they're like, sometimes this feature about this band, but they would just show the cover art. So I'd be like, that just looks like some... Because if you're looking at it in a small magazine inset, the yeah. cover art just looks like uh, somebody's... It sort of looks like a series of roasted vegetables. <laughs> Obviously, when you look at it properly, it's far more mind-boggling. Mm. And the cover art for this record is no exception. But you'd hear the name, and it's the same with the Refuse example. It's exactly the same. I'd hear that name. I didn't hear the Refuse record for quite a few years. Yeah. I didn't hear Focus by Cynic until like 2010. Oh, okay. Around the time I heard this. Mm. Um, because all of a sudden, when they reformed and this came out, all of a sudden, I was hearing this name a lot more. Sure. So I eventually got around to listen to this record in about 2009, and my fucking God, I had heard nothing like this. This record came out in 2008. Now... Regular listeners will remember another album I talked about that came out in 2008, Twilight of the Thunder God by Amon Amarth. Very different. These albums could not be more diametrically opposed. <laughs> They're so different, yeah. They both fit in the metal genre, but... They're completely <laughs> different, though. Yeah, one's no, about heroes, are. one's about conquest and fighting and staying strong and fighting and staying and fighting. And Did I mention fighting? I mentioned it. I'm going to mention it again. It's about fighting, <laughs> occasionally conquering, and about like dying noble death and shit. This is not about that. This is about, I mean, put it this way. This was still in my phase where I wasn't that big a lyric person. Mm. Which is bananas. Like, yeah. when you actually, <laughs> if you sat and read the lyrics of this record when you're listening to it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go in, like. Which is uh, how I approach listening to this. We yeah. are going to go quite ham on the lyrics to this because you can't really yeah. not. And we're going to, like, oh, I'm getting all, I'm getting all, like, ridiculously giddy because I've. There's chakras, some spiritual stuff, um, some sort of reincarnation. Uh, there are some people who believe this album is heavily influenced by Buddhist philosophies. Sure, yeah. UFOs. Um, <laughs> so the first, this is an eight-track album. It's only about thirty-four minutes. Mm. And a lot that's ha- significant. A lot like the what I always and what I've loved about all the Cynic records, all their full lengths. They also did an EP called Carbon Based Anatomy. So everything they do there is no like 75 80 minute cynic record see yeah i find that like for this um style of metal surprising because i don't have an issue with a long song yeah necessarily i'll listen to a nine ten minute song like, i need to gear myself up for it you know you gotta be in the right i need to be in the right headspace for that yeah um and so when, that, when all these songs were like i think one of them is like six minute song or something but yeah. most of them were in the three four minute range yeah and i was like oh Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but they're still doing a lot in that. Like they're yeah. really there's no fat in, in, in what's being done with those. Oh the musicianship. Oh my word. Anyway. Whew, I I have to start fanning myself because <laughs> the first time I heard this, the first, like the words would just I'd occasionally remember like choruses, but I remember the middle, I'd remember all the melody lines. Mm. I'd remember the cadence. But I wouldn't actually have like for example, there's a song called The Unknown Guest where what I realised many years later was actually a mantra. Yeah. I thought it was just some sort of weird vocal effect. Oh, okay. But we'll get into that in a bit. Like, that's how little I really paid attention to lyrics. Mm. Which, for a band like this, is fucking demented. <laughs> it's just nonsense. It's absolutely ridiculous that I just wouldn't even care. I'd be like, nah, mate, give me these ridiculously intricate and exciting passages of music. Yeah. Anyway, the album's produced by Warren Riker, who worked with Likes of Down. The album begins with a song called Nunc Fluens, mm. which is Latin. Yeah. Because of course it is. I'm aware of Latin. Um, I believe the literary translation is like flowing now. Now flowing, yeah. Yeah, now flowing, flowing now. The first and the last tracks in this album are deliberate juxtapositions of each other. Yes. Because um, Nunc stands, I believe, stands. it's abiding now or now abiding. Yeah. 
talking about this record, there will be quite a few quotes because in order for a lot of it to make sense, mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of extra reading. Sure. And trying to find what Paul Masvidal is thinking when he writes yeah. his lyrics. Here's a quote from Paul Masvidal. Cool. We've been on an amazing journey discovering the new music and soon it will be yours. Expect the unexpected. The album is an intensely concentrated mosaic of internal and external energies from the deepest peace to the purest aggression. There's an acquired taste that comes with the record of this density. But once your ears wrap themselves around the language at work, everything falls into place and suddenly you'll feel a sudden urge to sing, scream or maybe even cry. The album has a beginning, middle and end. The story will reveal itself after numerous listens and then you may not want to let go. Besides, Ryan and I, Timon, Timon was the guitarist they brought in after the reunion. They had mm. quite a few lineup changes yeah. for the extra members. He does all the death growls on the record as well. Timon brought some new life force and magic to the record with fierce growling and poetic guitar sensibilities. Malone and I also did a fine job with the low end, grooving away with Ryan in the pocket, in a pocket land from hell. Turns out I can't quite read as well as I thought. Mm-hmm. He also said deliberately about the opening and closing juxtapositions. He said this to that well-known heavy metal publication, The Huffington Post. <laughs> Nunk fluence, nunk stands, means the passing present unfolds into the eternal present. So if you said those things together, that's yeah. sort of what he's referring. Anyway, I was trying to find a way to sonically create that idea. Traced in Air begins with Nunk fluence, which invokes the magic of the sonic environment or the space we are creating. It's the introduction song to the album and the layered wall of sound one hears when listening actually clips of the entire record meld into one gigantic wall with experimental guitar ideas. It also includes clips of material from Focus, which is in many ways letting go of the past by acknowledging its presence in the now. This is how I interpreted the passing present musically. The album goes on a journey inwards to outwards through the human experience with a spiritual perspective. Finally, ending with Nunk Stands, which is a farewell song, acknowledging the nature of impermanence we all must face, and ultimately asking the bigger question of what really matters when we're on our deathbed facing our own mortality. It's a song about letting go in the truest sense and becoming a Nunk Stand soldier that has learned to live life to the fullest with courage and love. Much of the inspiration for this song came from my volunteer work with terminally ill patients over the years. Your face is... Well, I know, You're I mean, just trying to take in... Because like, it's, mu- it's just that's like, a very wow. dense quote, right? Yes, but I feel like it has... In order yeah. for it... Otherwise, if I didn't bring these quotes in, this podcast would just be like, yeah, this album's mad. End. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it's dense in the sense, I mean, you could have... You, you could almost break down those quotes, like, line by line, and that they have a lot wrapped up in each of them. And some of those things did strike me uh, during the listen and kind of, um, especially the, I, I, I have a real, I'm a real mark for like spiritual imagery yeah. and art. So that I kind of connect with a lot, but it, it's interesting to hear kind of how that connects, how he expresses the connection between that and how he's sonically trying to create that landscape. Yeah. Especially because like when I was listening to it, especially at the start, um, space is a theme that yeah. keeps coming up, and I was interested to know when they say the fr- when they're using the word space. What what are they, what does he mean by yeah, that? Yeah, they're referring I mean? to just like the general concept of space. You know, thank you, Tim Curry. <clears throat> Can't Sorry. believe we got Tim Curry on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean, yeah, they're referring to the general concept of space, or like as in you go up in a rocket, yeah. you're in space. Do or do they mean like just? Do they mean astral projection? Yeah, or do they mean personal space? Yeah. Or like carving out like a space in which we can exist? You know, there's like lots of ways you can interpret that. And I was interested yeah. to know where that journey would go because that is like the opening, really, yeah. you know. Um, so that that does actually shed some light, that quote, on mm. on the kind of experience of listening to it. Again, having listened to it once. So yeah. keep that in mind when I say anything. Yeah. Nunk Fluence, when I first heard that, I sort of thought I was... It sounded kind of like if I was doing a yoga class, I felt like I needed to pull out a yoga mat yeah, and start going into like various Ashtanga yoga positions. I I enjoyed how gentle and interesting... Like in, in the yeah. broad scheme of things, how even though there's 50 things kind of going on at once at some points, that there was this gentleness yeah. to it. And uh, before, like, the guitars come in, in my notes, I just wrote, ooh, guitars. Yeah. <laughs> but that it is that kind of, like, soft yeah. opening. Yeah. I really like the... Uh, I'm going to be saying this a lot. I really like what Sean Reinert does with the drums. Yes, yeah, so the drums on this were, were a highlight of the opening for me. Yeah. It's great drums. I have to admit, when I first clicked 
and played this song. Like the very first time I did think, have I got like a backwards version of this file? Is this file backwards or something? Mm. I wasn't quite sure if I had the right thing. But once I knew I had, I gave myself to it and I was just in. Yeah. I was enthralled. And that's not even the first... That's like we haven't had any proper lyrics yet. Mm. And then and then we move into the space for this. Space for what? I don't know. <laughs> Reading the lyrics. I, I, I've got all the lyrics for this album just to hand so yeah. I can try and refer back to them. So like the opening lyrics, space, raise my arms, space, wake my eyes, space, grace my heart. I've listened to this album for over a decade. I still don't really know, feel like I know what that means. I've read interpretations. Yeah. Like I've read some absolutely like bonkers interpretations of stuff. I've read some that this song is just all, this song is literally just like all about yoga and meditation. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I can't, I've never got a definitive answer. Paul Masvidal, if you're listening, I'd love a definitive answer. Um, like, if you got the time, hit me up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, like, I, I did yoga for many years um, and there is kind of a sense of kind of um, carving out the space to to have this practice in your life yeah. and carving out space for yourself within that yeah. practice. Um, and, like, in the, the one of the few lyrics in Nung Fluence that I've, I've written is, like, we claim the space. Yes. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was, like, one of the through lines to um, the space for this. Mm. But I suppose that's what I mean when I said earlier, like, I'm so interested in what the theme of, of space and, and taking space means in the kind of whole context of this album. Mm. Which seems to still be a question mark, even after a decade. <laughs> I mean, like, he's, like, I mentioned it towards the start. It is like a, this album is like a, it's a, this song the lyric breathe out breathe in mm. happens a few times yeah which does make me think yoga it does it does make me think yoga we also have ruins like out of ruins with haunted like owls the future druids drop the crystal goblet forming spells can i be the space for this will i be the space for this mm. that's like the chorus yeah space for what i don't know i don't know ah. I enjoy anyway. the not knowing though. Like there is something very um, intangible Mystical. about that, yeah, yeah. and mis- esoteric about it all, yeah. you know. Um, and yet, like the I suppose tonally all around that, it, it, it adds to that kind of yeah. un- unknowable. Yeah, the the sort of shuffling guitar throughout this song is fascinating as well. And I- I'm so curious. I need to ask you about the mm-hmm. the vocoder effect. I liked it. I liked Vocoder yeah, quite a lot. I was concerned you were going to really be put off by it and just no. find it infuriating. No, no, because I didn't. I didn't find it like um, grating in an unpleasant way or anything like that. What I did, what I kind of noticed was because it does create this harmonic. Yeah. So in, <laughs> and because this is the first song that has that in it, I wrote very Louis because I know Louis loves the harmony, vocal <laughs> harmony, vocal styling, if you will. But I think what the vocoder is doing is creating this very interesting texture between yeah. the lines, and you know how I enjoy like contrast between like the texture and then it is creating space yeah you know so it's nice that it's sonically following sort of the the path of what it's doing lyrically yeah love that yeah there's also the lyric about bending the sky to realize that's the one i wrote down i wrote down a lot of lyrics as quotes in my notes because they struck me yeah i normally don't write down lyrics i kind of just um write down my thoughts but there was a lot of lyrics in this album that struck me and I felt the need to write them down in quotes and what I really liked about it, I have no idea what it means but I did enjoy how the way it's presented as the song progresses changes so the very last time they say it, it's I just bend the sky and realise whereas earlier and you can say the exact lyric must more, I bend the sky to yeah, it's realize. a question yeah. as opposed to I, 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 I can do it I just did it and I, I found that progression really interesting. And yeah. that's why I wrote it down. Yeah. There's also that bit near the end where it's, um, can I be the space for this? And then, like, that's the death growl. Mm. And then you hear, oh, I can't, I cannot do it because I don't have the machine. But it's like, I'll buy you a vocoder for this. <laughs> it's quite high up. Yeah. I will. Can I be the space for this? I will. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it's that progression of, like, yeah. a question mark to, to having that kind of, oh, okay, this is where we're at. I'm in yeah. the present of this. Also, I've just got a shout out. Sean Malone's bass playing is fucking ridiculous. Mm. What you'll notice throughout this record as you listen to it is even though it sounds like a lot, at no point is anyone overplaying. No. This album, I imagine, originally was probably... Earlier versions of these songs probably were much longer. 
I really get the impression that this was worked down, ground down in terms of the songwriting to like it, everything was just being shaved, trimmed, retightened. Yeah. I suppose that's how you get it where it feels like there is like um lots being explored within these yeah. like rel- for this again, for this genre, relatively short songs. Mm. And yeah, I don't think anyone's overplaying. It all kind of fits very nicely. Yeah. And then we move on to Evolutionary Sleeper. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God, that fucking drum part. Mm. <laughs> Sean Reiner is nonsensically good at the drums. He's nonsensically good, but he's also nonsense. Like, it's ridiculous how interesting his drum parts are. Yeah. When I, like, that was the thing that first struck me when I first heard this. It was, it was not, it was the drums. I thought, I thought they were incredible because it is a mixture of, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, jazz in there there's a lot of death metal there's a lot of very well deployed double bass that every time it comes in it's so it always feel it always feels so powerful mm. because he's not just spamming it yeah and it's you know it's not just the same exact kind every time sometimes it'll be for a couple of measures sometimes it'll just be a single measure the cymbal work is also incredible like it's just it's uh, Sean Reiner was was just one of the best drummers that's ever played. He's one of my favourite drummers. Yeah. He doesn't even... He's, really, he's only really played on... So, he's not played on that many records. But every single one of them is fucking unbelievable. And he's a huge part of why. Mm. He's not just playing 4-4. Four, four, you know, that's not the sort of music he played. I mean, he could have. And probably, like... If you listen to Aeon Spoke, he plays a lot simpler. But... You could, I mean, I think people have built their careers on reacting to bloody Sean Reiner videos. <laughs> people have built YouTube channels reacting to Sean Reiner playing this song. Anyway, so there's... It's, now, this song to me, I've heard multiple weird interpretations of it. I've heard some people, it's just about, like, questioning things. Some it's about, like, sleep. Like, I've seen people try and argue it's about sleeping between reincarnations. Oh, Interesting. Or like sleeping to evolve to the next level of consciousness. I suppose that fits in with the kind of the evolutionary part of the title. And the opening lyrics. Here's my hand you painted on. A circle fades inside a heart. Are you expected here? You whisper in my ear. So I wash my hands till the water burns. A circle sits outside a door. Are you expected here? I whisper in your ear. Yeah, it's... um, This is like... this, This song is very interesting to me lyrically because I find like... Those kind of lines that you just quoted are, are like quite impenetrable, quite honestly, for me. In the sense of them, that kind of, you know, esoteric mysticism yeah. about them. But you do like, this is also the song at which point I wrote down, this album is far more emotional than I expected it to be. Yeah. Because later in you get kind of lyrics like, I'm whole, I'm open, yeah. I'm starved, I'm broken. Which yeah. are very, like, gut-punching. Yeah. Um, especially with the... the the music around them it's yeah. a shift you know and to have those two things that very impenetrable mysticism and, and this very raw vulnerability was really interesting to me yeah I find I, I find this song so fascinating I find it so fascinating I feel like I could discuss what this album actually means for about 40 years <laughs> and, and I still wouldn't still never get the answer even if Paul yeah. Maswell even if Paul Maswell does get in touch with me and tells me what it all means I still be like but, but but what does it actually mean, though? What does it really mean? <laughs> anyway, I, I don't want to dwell. I, that's not, I don't want to dwell. I'd happily dwell on this fucking album. I'd dwell on this album forever. But I don't want to, like, bore you. I don't want to bore you, <laughs> listeners. I don't want to bore you. So we're going to leave this one here, and we're going to jump forward to the next next ditty, the next tune, Integral Birth. Oh, yeah. Love a bit, love a bit of Integral Birth, I do. Right, so Integral Birth. This, I believe, was actually released as like the promotional single. I get that. Um, which is just mad to me. I no, I I kind of get it in the sense that so like the the start of this song and many parts of it are like built on this descending sequence. Yeah. That keeps like going down a yeah. step, and there is something that just you know pushes like maybe it's just for me but I think it's a broader thing there's something about that like pushes that like a sweet spot in your brain being like oh yes yeah. that's satisfying yeah you know <laughs> so yeah. even though there's this big shift in the middle of it like yeah. the middle is a surprise that that descending sequence you're like oh yeah yeah I mean check these out for lyrics 
I touch the string though the heart may not sing, still I dare the sky for sun sparks to guide. Down below there's a land with an ominous hole deep in the sand of belief. I, I, yeah. <laughs> a million doves orbit round the earth with tears of blood. Now that sounds like a, that sounds more like an Amonamath lyric or something. Or it sounds, but the way it's sung. A million doves orbit round the earth with tears of blood. Kill the virgin, take integral birth. Yeah, I mean... Kill the virgin? What? I... <laughs> what, is, what? Is this about, like, like trying to, like... Uh, I mean, is this about the birth of the universe or something? Maybe. I mean, like, I'm so kind of, you know... I'm so... I don't know if you had any sort of idea. I I had a... I had a, like, I suppose, a, a, like, a personal reaction, which I think is probably an oversimplified one. But, like... And for context, like, um, you know, I was... I grew up in Ireland, yeah. uh, went to Catholic school, uh, and I'm Christian, so I can I kind of am probably slightly biased towards picking up Christian imagery. But the fact that like there is to me like lots of Christian imagery sprinkled throughout this this album, like in contrast to some of the more um, you know kind of Buddhist and and maybe kind of like Hindu and, and yogic imagery yeah. as well. Um, and so the fact that you have like doves and the virgin and later you have like Adam's murmur. Like, yes. you know what I mean? There's, there is these sprinklings of like Abrahamic religion imagery yeah. in it, which is very interesting because it's in contrast with, you know, later you get like Lakshmi and yeah. you have all this meditative stuff and like, ooh, I love that. Yeah. That was, that was nice to dig into, you know? Yeah. The cover art for this album, I was going to, obviously, I like to talk about the cover art for things because why not but also the cover art for this is very interesting and i kind of think mm. if it's inspired by any song i think it's inspired by this one so have you looked at the cover art not deeply now can we look at it right now uh yes okay uh let me vamp while i um yeah. <laughs> while i find it well it's it's very um you know you kind of get uh goddess vibes and like um transformation and this kind of butterfly motif and well, there isn't like specifically necessarily kind of chakra elements. It kind of feels like there is. I'll, t- I'll you tell I've me got a little properly. Quote. I'll give a yeah. little quote. So the artwork is by a chap called Robert Venosa, who also did the artwork for Focus. Now, I myself, when I look at that, I see a number of different things. A lot of them very similar to what you described. Mm-hmm. Paul Maserell describes it thusly: Sean Ryan and I connected with the archetypal classic shape that the new album cover represents. This part man, alien, angel, future Shiva being is in a larger sense the vibe of the entire album as a whole work. The being also somewhat represents the next stage of evolution for the Focus album cover Angel, which mirrors where we are now with album number two. Oh, nice. So there's kind of like a meta commentary about yes. the band on top of all the yeah. kind of like spiritual explorations within the music. Nice. Yes, yeah. like, like a new thing is being born, a new yeah. evolution of whatever the thing is. It's like, because it does, it does look like a shiva mm. there is an element of that not that i'm an expert in that in <laughs> that world I'm, I'm not going to pretend that i am but yeah integral birth is also fucking great and yes the drumming's incredible the bass playing's incredible <laughs> paul masvidal does some great shit on the guitar like they all everyone in this band is just is just an unbelievable musician as i know i've said it before sean malone also plays chapman stick which for those of you who were listening to the Peter Gabriel episode we did a while back. We did back. discuss it then, yes. Yeah, the Chapman Stick making another appearance on the podcast. I hope it... I ideally would like to have the Chapman Stick appear on everything I do on this podcast because <laughs> it's just a delightful instrument. Maybe we it's should just... get a Chapman Stick and make a yeah. theme song using only a Chapman Stick. Yeah. <laughs> and then we will have it on every episode. We could join Tony Levin's Stick Men. Nice. All right. Okay, we'll leave Integral Birth there because... I do need to devote a fair bit of time to the unknown guest, as in the song, the unknown guest. Not, I haven't got a guest in my house that I don't know about. Everyone in my house I'm aware of. Someone living in the walls. There's no one living in the walls. There's no unknown guest in the walls. (laughs) I'd like to put that rumour to bed immediately. All right, so the unknown guest, here comes a big boy quote. Paul Masvidal says, this song is all about Vedic astrology. Okay. All right, so, well, I'll explain in a bit. So, Masvidal has a good friend who is a Vedic astrologer and he did my chart right before I went to make this record and really before I even knew I was about to do it he said to me you're on the verge of a lot of really wonderful creative bountiful things right now you have Saturn that has just left your chart and Saturn is kind of like this dark energy that swallows you 
This is about working with Saturn energy, which is the unknown guest. It is the return of Saturn in your chart. Right, so that's a quote. Okay. Just in case you're wondering, Vedic astrology is, is like, it's like a form of Hindu astrology. Mm. Um, it's sort of, yeah, that's the sort of school of astrology this is coming from. So this is very, very, very uh, Hindu, that part of the world influenced song. Sure. Um, the unknown guest also has this mantra. Now, for a long time, I didn't realise it had this mantra until very recently, right? I presume that the mantra was actually just a weird vocal backmasking type effect. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I don't say that for, like... I don't say that lightly. I really did just think it was that. I didn't realise it actually was, A, a mantra, and B, actually meant something. I See, I think... It, I don't know where I would have heard it, but I think I have heard this mantra before in other places um which is why i was kind of like oh yes i need to look at what it means to remember but i think i've seen this before i believe it's om shri mahalakshmi swaha yeah yeah which i believe i've I've tried to translate i believe it means salutations to the great goddess lakshmi personification of the sustaining energy yes this is in sanskrit paul masaro describes it he he did an interview with uh, a website called progsphere no message other than of being in the present moment the mantra you're asking about is for Lakshmi, the goddess of abundance. Not necessarily material abundance, but just abundance, as in living a rich and whole life. Abundance is a perspective, and that song explores the physical and mental aspects of feeling beat up by the cosmos and trying to survive with some esoteric wisdom. Nice. <laughs> it's funny, because I also I also think that, like, from a sonic perspective, this is the progiest song on this record. This is probably my favourite song on the record. Oh, in- that, that, uh, yeah. Which one of my favourite has changed forever if you sure. ask me this in a week it will probably be a king of those who know if you ask me again in another week it will be Adam's murmur mm. if you ask me again in a week it will be the space for this but right now this is my favourite song on Trace Dinner I, I, I love it so much I love the, the drums in particular on this I love what Sean Ryan does with them I love the push and pull of it it's just unbelievable and it's so it just takes you off into this other place mm. that's how I feel when I listen to this album I feel like I'm first one listening I thought I was in some weird sci-fi space madness <laughs> focus is even more like that because of the much more alien vocoder effect thing. yeah and there's also like keyboards on that there's a lot more keyboardy stuff on that whereas this this leans goes a bit more away from death metal a bit this this album's a little bit away from that sure they like the last album kindly bent to free us is death metal's basically gone it's almost like a big hug it's in some ways yeah it get, that album is really spiritual at times oh my word yeah abundance as a theme it's it's just wild I love it I mean I don't know if you had any sort of different thoughts or no I mean like I, I also looked up the mantra out of curiosity and I, it got a similar meaning like it's a call on Lakshmi to grant um, worldly and spiritual prosperity so that it's yeah. the same thing um, and yeah I, I also think this is like um this feels like a turn, yeah. like in the journey of the album. Yeah. It does feel like a bit of a act two almost. Mm-hmm. Not that everything has to be a three act structure, no. you know, but it there is it does feel like it's shifting in, in kind of like almost character growth or Yeah, if, I, if or anything, this is both one act and eight. Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, I do feel like this is kind of like a new theme emerging. Yeah. Speaking of, well, I say speaking of new themes, the next song, Adam's Murmur, is according to Paul Masvidal, it's a song about self-healing. It's using a metaphor from the Adam story in the Bible, Mm. but not in a Christian sense. The wound that Adam takes on parallels with our wounds as a human and how we essentially were in charge of our own healing in terms of disease processing. I mean, that's interesting in the the context of what you said about um, him working with people with terminal illness a lot. Uh, And yeah, I mean, like, again, it's even if it's not being used in a Christian way, like it's, it's these kind of, Christian imageries which aren't necessarily archetypes but certainly um, growing up in my context might as well be you know because yeah. they're, they're kind of so well known and shorthanded yeah. for things and yeah I mean again with the lyrics with this I found some of them a little bit impenetrable um, like you know and you kind of were like I know this is probably referring to something I just don't know what it's referring to I mean the way it starts feet to hip leaf to breast throat to brain and skin arrange yeah that I kind of God, yeah, that felt like creation of man yeah. kind of stuff. And I really like the harmonics in that section. Yep. 
the, the, that whole harmonic sequence I was like ooh another again pushing yeah. that, that sweet spot in my brain to be like mmm music delicious yeah. um, but when you get to kind of um, that kind of trace space seven flowers yeah. kind of side of things I was like I don't know what these mean yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's still I suppose again I've listened to it once so it's always a good sign when something intrigues you and yeah. you want to go back and find out more about it that's always yeah. a good sign for art I think mm. There's a lyric that's repeated a couple of times about how on this album, on this song, sorry, now we're one soul. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Reviving memories to every blade of grass, the universal path, a primal energy, a creation is born, unsympathetic chords. And it goes into that. Hearing Adam's murmur. Yeah. That's my crap interpretation of the unbelievable guitar playing yes yeah hearing adam's murmur a sanskrit alphabet unholy apple tree seven flowers yeah and i suppose that is like because again it, because it's, it's bringing in these this kind of more um like eastern esotericism and um it's and a counterbalancing it with that's what i mean adam exactly it, it's because you have both of those yeah. elements that it's not as straightforward yeah because if it was just, like, I don't know if this is a critique of it or anything. I don't, I don't know. Think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's just using the imagery to evoke something. But yeah. because you have both of those things coming together, yeah. and I have a lot of knowledge of one and not a yeah. lot of knowledge of the other, it it, it it does make it that kind of more like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, we need to explore this rather than just kind of knowing what everything means on yeah. the first listen. Yeah, and that's interesting, even though I still don't know yeah. what it means. You know, I've seen an interpretation. You could say that Adam's murmur, like, refers to like a heart murmur. Oh, okay. Um, like, like there's like a hole in your heart, or something's wrong mm-hmm. with your heart, and like that could obviously mean, you know, the literal sense of you need like fucking heart surgery, or it could mean sure. spiritually, yeah, that you need some sort of cleansing. It's interesting because doing a bit of research for this particular song, I came across a gentleman who said who claimed to have an email exchange with Paul Masvidal and asked him about this exact song and Paul Masvidal he might not have said this but according to the quote Anna's memory is very much about what you're describing along with chakras and energy centres in the body so it's about describing like dealing with the creation of man and astral projection through meditation mm. chakras in Sanskrit are defined as wheels yeah again yoga yeah. chakras been, been there <laughs> um, and I only found this out very recently oh okay like this is not I like I had to do some diving in some strange places yeah. to find a lot of this stuff but Adam's Murmur again is fucking incredible like there, this is a song to I'm not a song this is an album to me that I wouldn't cut a second of it no no I wouldn't add a second either I wouldn't cut a single moment of this I also think it's exquisitely produced and mixed you can hear everything very mm. clearly it's not meant to sound brutal. No, it's not brutal. If you're coming here expecting slamming brutality with like hippie bullshit every so often, <laughs> you know, if that's what you're thinking it's going to be, <laughs> sonically, no, that's not no, what no. it is. It's hard to describe. If it, like, if you're wondering why I haven't necessarily been talking so much about the sonic, it's to really go into like intricate nature of the playing and the songwriting, you'd have to be a serious music theory nerd. Yeah. And I am not that. And I don't think you guys listening are, because if no. you are, this is... We're prob- a disappointment yeah. to you, then. Yeah, we're a disappointment <laughs> to you. <laughs> but I will say, like, I really liked the guitar tone on this quite a yes. lot, and the whole deal. It's different. And what I was thinking about was, I'm like, this is not gent, nor is it mathy particularly, but it doesn't surprise me that bands who were big in those worlds, when I was looking up, have cited these musicians as influences. Yeah. So it's not, it's definitely like a predecessor of those things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily help in defining what this is, but I can definitely hear what it later went on to influence. Yeah. In terms of tone and all yeah. that stuff. All right. So let's move on to the last sort of main song, King of Those Who Know, which to my knowledge is very heavily Buddhist. As it... I mean, there, yeah, there's lots to suggest this. From the mountaintop, he looks upon the crowds Mindful among the mindless, yeah. unbound. That's I, I. That's literally the line I wrote next to um, kind of Buddhist meditation. Mindful yeah. among the mindless. I did a bit of researching. Apparently, that is from or is some sort of like a reworking from the Dhammapada. Yeah. 
Like, uh, apparently that opening line is basically a reworking of verse 29, oh, okay. specifically, as as are quite a few other lines in, in yeah. words. They're like, it's just um, it's just wordings from the Dhammapada. This is the longest song on the record by quite a distance. Yes. And in terms of taking you on a journey from A to B, this is the one that is most conventional in that sense, mm. in the progressive sense, you know, in the way that it does have a crescendo yeah. at the end and it sort of leads to this nice sort of nudely chill fade out mm. the way that it all builds in that crescendo is just fucking unbelievable and Sean Ryan's use of double bass is just disturbingly brilliant it's so fucking good this album still surprises and beguiles me all these years later it still makes me, it takes me to so many weird and wonderful places yeah I've never got bored of this album not because like I don't listen to things over and over and over and over and over again which does help that yes I don't sit there and go, I'm going to listen to Sam until I'm bored of it, because that's just a bit sad and weird. Yeah. Also, there's so much music out there that we can f- you can fill the space with other yeah. things. like so. Listen to something until you get bored of it implies that it's like a resource that you have to drain. Yeah. And that's not how I want to have a relationship with my art. No. That sounds really depressing to me. Just listening to something until you're like, I'm done with this now, move on forever. Like, oh, God. Yeah. How, how, ugh. How it's funny, because I think, like, back to... Um, you know the 90s and 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 the the, the mid 2000s when again you had to purchase like cds and yep. stuff so you did kind of have a limit of what you could listen to yeah and by that nature you could end up getting sick of things yeah. and moving on but now that we have like streaming and spotify and all those things i'm like ah there's no need yeah <laughs> i only listen to things when i actually want to deeply appreciate them and then i'll kind of move on yeah. to other things while i'm letting that settle in, yeah you know? this song also talks about karma being burned mm. like burning away whatever karma you have and such yeah uh, it's a classic element of buddhist philosophy yeah you don't want any karma good or bad they were talking about raising the vibratory level so high that all untruth will fall of its own dead weight yes. i thought and i thought that ties in nicely <laughs> like this whole vibration that's not the first time they've mentioned vibrations it's in one of the earlier songs and you have that kind of trance space higher plane stuff again so mm. it's it is its own kind of through line in yeah. the record. I know, like, my favourite line in this is save me from the hope that I'll be saved, which I know is very much about... It's, it, to me, it reads as, like... Because imper- the concept of impermanence can yeah. be scary. And, again, like, not... This mightn't have been their intention, but you do... There, There is some stuff that kind of comes up in sort of Christian imagery and allegory. Like, again, being saved, the king... Yeah. Having... um. Like the, the my even my thirst is unquenchable. Yeah. Because part of like Christian doctrine would say that like you know the living water will quench all thirst. Yeah. So the fact that there is again that juxtaposition, whether it was intentional or not, that push and pull is very interesting to me. Yeah. Existentially, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and after this, you have next stands, which we've talked about a bit. Yeah. That closes the album. It feels very much like the ending. It's like a mm. it's like a extended outro, as it were. It's it's very very pleasant, and nice to listen to, and yeah. it leave it. This album, one of the other reasons why I love it so much is, I mean, I've now I've talked about it, but there is nothing like this. There is nothing that has this mixture of deeply spiritual, almost floating in air, highly technical. I feel like I could listen to this both if I want to get pumped a bit and feel highly technically challenged, but also if I want to chill the fuck out. Yeah. I've never heard an album quite like it and they've not done anything like it since they've deliberately they've deliberately not just released the same record again sure when it, when they did reconvene to do the third record in 2014 that album sounds very different and I also I, as I said I, I recommend everything they've done because it's just so interesting mm. and I find it quite moving yeah in its way I find it very moving it's you know I, I'm not going to go and rampage through a village with it I'm not going to be standing <laughs> my fucking chest out just like chanting along but this one engages it does engage the heart but it also engages my head and it also engages I'm not a big here's the thing I'm not really a spiritual person no at all on paper if anything I'd actually I actually should hate this record because of that sure I should fundamentally think this is some wishy-washy fucking hippie bullshit where are the vikings not even that just like I could easily have just dismissed this. Mm. I've just some sort of like overhyped fucking hippie nonsense. Mm. 
But as soon as I heard it, I knew this was something special. Yeah, no, it is. I knew this was something utterly mesmerising and unique and wonderful. And it was recontextual. Like, this is... Obviously, this band was recontextualised for me when they came out. But this album was recontextualised. Obviously, in the context of this album, it was heavily recontextualised. Because, to me, it increases visibility for LGBT lifestyles that aren't just everybody wears pink and everybody worships at the order of RuPaul's Drag Race and all music created by gay people is high-energy dance pop. Sure, yeah. And it's all about being gay. This is something that you can give to people and say if you ever if people ever say things like there's more than one way to be gay things like this to me on a visibility level really show that you can make music that's complex deeply spiritual can reach a lot of different interesting places you can talk about things like astral projection and chakras and mantras Mm. and that's okay you can do that you don't have to just talk about yas queen Mm. And work. You don't have to think refer to things as iconic. How dare you? I call everything yeah, iconic. <laughs> but, what, like, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, no, I do know what you're saying. Yeah. This normalizes to me. This normalizes insanely high level musicianship. Like what? Like what they are doing? I cannot stress this enough. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. This is this is not something that you could just pick up and learn. Like, and don't get me wrong. I love shit you can just pick up and play. I love that stuff. Yeah. But this is so, what I, this is just so, you cannot do this. You cannot play this music unless you are someone who is incredibly dedicated to your instrument. Whether you're playing the bass parts, the guitar parts, whether you're playing the drum parts. You cannot do this unless you are so dedicated to your craft. Mm. And I, I do find myself thinking that this record, this band should be held up higher than they are by the gay community because it's an amazing way to show that high-level musicianship can and should be valued in gay art because I I feel... Do you just not see that a lot? No. Okay. This level of technicality is never, ever talked about mm. in LGBT music. So it just isn't. I think as well, it's it's there's there's kind of like um, and it should be. In, Why in, shouldn't it be? In in metal, there isn't a, a, to me, and and again, this is just from my point of view. Um, you don't see a kind of in the Venn diagram of like metal art and and LGBTQ art. You don't often see in a very visible way that that intersects. You don't no, but even within like obviously the most obvious example is Rob Halford. Sure, but we've yeah. also but we've also talked about Doug Pinnock. Yeah, and ideally we want to bring that to the. To the, to the show partly because I feel that that side of things was ignored but this type of you know I want to say even within heavy metal mm. you don't have to just be the Rob Halford type Okay, you yeah, don't yeah. have to write songs that are subtly but very very clearly saying I like men <laughs> you don't have to thank do you, that thank you Rob Halford you can do those. that <laughs> you are welcome to do it yeah. In fact, I wish it was done more. But do you know what else I wish was wish is done more? This. Sure. This kind of shit. We're going off into the fucking astral projections. We're going off into the chakras. We're going off into Buddhism. We're going off into all of these things. Bring on the fucking space aliens as well. Bring on the UFOs. Why not? Yeah. Why can't you do that? Why shouldn't you do that just because you're gay? Why shouldn't you? Yeah. Don't be limited by anything. If you want to make incredibly technically complicated music that talks about incredibly deep subjects that a lot of people may straight up have no knowledge of but people will still go with anyway Mm. why shouldn't you make that shit let's have more of it i also have to mention that there is a bit of a tragic element now with cynic because sean reiner and sean malone both died in 2020 Mm. so cynic as we know it is never coming back and i did want to do this record partly to tribute sean reiner because he is one of he's become one of my favorite musicians to listen to. When it comes to heavy metal musicianship, I have to admit most of my favorite heavy metal musicians are actually drummers. They're not guitarists. They're drummers. Nice. There's like a cadre of my favorite musicians in this world, and pretty much all of them play the drums because I. But all the drummers I am thinking of are people who play in a unique and interesting way. They don't just you know play hard and fast because you have to play hard and fast. 
to even do the most rudimentary stuff. Yeah. I'm talking people who push shit in new and interesting directions. Mm. Like Sean Reiner, like Thomas Harker, like Mario Duplantier. And a lot of these people are influenced by Sean Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> you could watch drum videos of this dude playing and even if you heard the record or the song that he's playing along to or playing with a hundred times, actually watching him play it will just blow you away all over again. It's just it's just jaw dropping. The man was a genius. Mm. And I wanna shout out Sean Malone as well. I'm not trying to ignore Sean Malone. Like Sean Malone's contributions to this record are fantastic. The bass playing is liquid smooth. The use of the Chapman stick is always always pleasant to hear. He 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 was a phenomenally talented bass player. Yeah. It was absolutely phenomenal and you know, the fact that both of them went not long after each other is yeah, just heartbreaking. I think it was like within a month of each other yeah. or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Twenty twenty we lost two of the greatest drummers of all time, pretty much one after the other. We lost Sean Ryan and Neil Peer pretty much within a month of each other. Mm. That was devastating to me because that's two of my favourite musicians in the world gone one after the other and it was absolutely devastating and then Covid happened yeah yeah pretty much around the same time but um, I just really wanted to put this point at the end this this whole range of points at the end because I I just feel that even in the LGBT plus community Sinica just slept on sure I don't, like even if you're not a fan of it but you happen to identify as that I can't I personally believe that this is in a deep, that this is a deeply important band that should be celebrated more, precisely because they offer something so different to almost every other artist that identifies as LGBT. Yeah, I can't think of any other LGBT artists who are doing this. No, yeah, I I, I can't either. Um... And the point is, if we want to normalise LGBT in every respect, and we do, yeah, we need to normalise it in every everywhere it comes. We need to encourage it, no matter, no, in what, no matter what field, no matter what style, it needs to be encouraged and normalised. Yeah. I want more LGBT, prog, jazz, mad, beautiful, beautiful <laughs> musicians. I want that. Yeah. And you should too. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you're right. Because, like, I, I'm, like, a lot of the... Because I listen to more punk and hardcore, broadly speaking. You know, I listen to prog and things. But yeah. my, my wheelhouse is punk and yeah. hardcore. And you do have, like, a subset of kind of, like, queer core... Yeah. artists so you you do see certainly in, in my interests anyway I'll, you can find that a lot more yeah. easily whereas yeah in the and, and again you would have a deeper knowledge of the broad spectrum of metal than I would but I do think that you don't certainly in Prague I haven't come across it before and I feel like you would have put it in front of me if more of it was there <laughs> yeah but I don't this, this isn't even put in front of people by prominent gays prominent yeah. gay people aren't putting this in front of other gay people and I just yeah. find that I suppose, again, upsetting. because I, I, in terms of like prominent um, LGBT folks, I don't see them like usually being well into like metal of any kind anyway. So I can see, I, I'm just it's saying in a way like that's why they may not come across it. And like I do appreciate um, journalists and, and, and people like the podcasters on Hellbent for Metal who, are, who yeah. are really shining a light on this kind of intersection that yeah. is, is quite um Big love to those unseen. guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And certainly, yeah, I think they're really profiling that, which is which is great. Yeah. All right. I'm going to leave it there. Cool, cool. Purely because I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I'll end it with a very simple mantra. Listen to Cynic. Your head will explode. All of it. <laughs> Just listen to it in order. Um, uh... Yeah. What would you like to do next? Okay. So... Um... When I when I decided it, I didn't realize how sim- how many similarities there would be between this your pick this week and my pick, even though they don't sound anything like each other. But it was also the last show I went to before COVID. All right, it's I um, know you're going with that. <laughs> there, there's spiritual imagery all over the shop, yeah. and uh, and yeah, just really interesting, complex heaviness. I'm going to because of the the new song that was recently released has prompted me it's now time to talk about Caligula by Lingua Ignota oh my (laughs) you think this one's big holy moly this is the the biggest podcasting challenge I've ever undertaken but she released a new single this week and I must I absolutely must if you weren't going to do it I would exactly so I gotta beat you to the (laughs) beat you to it (laughs) alright everyone we will see you next time thank you so much for listening listen to Cynic goodbye bye (laughs) 
you were listening to the Darling Why podcast presented by Louis Tangarides and Kate Stewart. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a follow at Darling Why Podcast on Instagram. Feel free to rate and subscribe on whatever podcast feed you're listening to. This podcast is produced, edited and put together entirely by Louis Tangarides and Kate Stewart. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.